As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Edgewater Sports Park, just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, will play host to the Dick Winley Memorial Race Weekend starting Thursday evening, August the 20th, with a test and tune and big money bracket racing on Friday through Sunday. Stay tuned for details on what is shaping up to be an incredible event. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by ThisIsBracketRacing.com and specifically the new This Is Bracket Racing driver series. If you stick around to the end of today's podcast, Ashley Thompson, our team member here at thisisbracketracing.com, who has spearheaded this entire program, is going to come on to detail this series and how you can take advantage of it. In a nutshell, the This Is Bracket Racing driver series allows sportsman bracket racers a chance to compete against one another on a higher platform, a national platform, without the need to travel anywhere uh, beyond your home track. In essence, this is the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series for local bracket racers without the huge commitment. You earn points at your local track on predetermined race dates. Um, you can find those in the schedule on thisisbracketracing.com. Go to thisisbracketracing.com slash driver series to learn more. The competing tracks uh, or the participating tracks, I should say, uh, in this trial version of the program as we finish 2020 are Mid-Michigan Motorplex up in Stanton, Michigan, Beach Bend Raceway Park in Bowling Green, Kentucky, National Trail Raceway, Columbus, Ohio, Bremerton Raceway in Bremerton, Washington, and one track that we will announce in the coming days to, uh, to finalize our roster of five. So if you currently compete at one of those facilities or are near one of those facilities, check this program out. It is uh, an enhanced incentive to the local points program at very, very little cost with 100% payback courtesy of thisisbracketracing.com. Again, stick around to the end of today's podcast. Listen to Ashley roll out the details. I think you're going to love it. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss Ken Schrader and Stephanie Bustin Nass. No Jed this week, he's got the week off, but we have got a great 
show on tap. Uh, something a little bit different than we have done before. Uh, I really enjoyed today's interviews. We got two separate guests, um, the first of which, Toby Baptiste. Toby is a of Choctaw Indian descent. Um, growing up, his father spent uh, a significant portion of Toby's youth in prison. Uh, Toby comes from very um, meager means, and, and he's very open about that in this discussion. Toby now <laughs> has founded one of the most recognizable companies in race in the race fuel and lubricant industry. Toby is the founder of Renegade Racing Fuels, and he just talks a little bit about his journey and his path, and he's just the veil is pulled back. He's super vulnerable. He is super, he's incredibly engaging. I, I mean, I had really high expectations for this discussion, this interview with Toby. And I'll be completely honest, he blew my expectations out of the water. This is an absolute must listen. We have one thing that we have not done much of on this podcast is get insight from industry professionals and obviously that's what toby is he's a racer first and he gets into that in, in this discussion but we haven't had a lot of the movers and shakers from the automotive aftermarket industry on the show perhaps this is a direction that will go more in the future if we could find more guests like toby we would absolutely um go more this direction in the future you will this comes across in his interview but toby's clarity his purpose his passion it is incredible it is motivational I, I said at one point in the discussion like good lord i'm ready to run through a wall for you you know and i can't imagine being around you every day working for you whatever the case may be um it's incredible on so many different levels you just have to listen to this and full disclosure here and toby's the founder of, of renegade race fuels i have used Renegade Race Fuels. I'm part of Team Renegade for, I don't know, a decade or so. But this, I don't think this comes across and it was never meant to be an infomercial on, on Renegade or their products by any stretch of the imagination. It was a conversation with a really fascinating man. But I will say this in full transparency, by the end of this conversation, I, I just, I feel like you are going to find Toby as engaging as I find Toby. While this wasn't meant to be an advertisement, I, I do feel like you're going to get through this conversation and think, man, I really, I, I, should, I should support Renegade Racing Fuels. That, that wasn't the intention, but that's going to come across. Like Toby's, again, clarity and purpose in everything that he does and how that business just epitomizes that is pretty incredible. So we've got that discussion with, again, Toby Baptiste. We're going to follow that with a real brief um, discussion with Ashley Thompson. Ashley is actually one of our team members here at This Is Bracket Racing, and she has spearheaded this program. This was her idea. We are rolling it out on a trial basis. We are calling it the This Is Bracket Racing Driver Series, uh, again, on a trial basis here to close out 2020. I couldn't be more excited about this program, rolling it out here on this podcast. I couldn't be more proud of Ashley and all that she has done to make this happen. So be sure to stick around for probably the last 10 minutes of this. Ashley's going to roll out the driver series. It is super exciting, specifically um, for those of you who it's, it's coming to a track near you. Um, but I think a program like this has significant potential to expand in 2020, 2021 and beyond and can absolutely um, enhance the level of local bracket racing really across the country. And I couldn't be more excited about it. So uh, super pumped to roll that out again here at the end of the show. So without further ado, Toby Baptiste. All right, joining me now, the founder of Renegade Performance Fuels and Lubricants, longtime friend of mine, Mr. Toby Baptiste. Toby, great to have you here. How are you? Doing well, Luke. How are you guys? 
Man, we're doing great. It's uh, it's fun to have you here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. We've got a lot to get to. Um, why don't we start? I know, I think, most of this story, but I think it's very intriguing and really sets a foundation for where you're coming from in general. Why don't you give us the, the Cliff's Notes version of your involvement in our sport and how it led ultimately to the founding of Renegade. Well, sure. What a journey and uh, very, very thankful for that journey. Uh, my dad got me into racing when I was 15 and, and uh, basically I was supposed to go to college and play sports and uh, made a few mistakes thinking that I was all that in high school when there were other kids being recruited, uh, learned a hard lesson and, Ended up going to a JUCO school there, and my dad said, hey, to get you out of trouble, you're going to get involved with racing, and you're not just going to drive. you got to be there to help get things ready, and that probably was a saving grace. Uh, so I, there's a great appreciation to the sport of racing and drag racing in general. A lot of mentors there on the racing side that helped get a young man headed in the right direction. So... I was trying to find a way to make some extra money, to be honest with you, Luke, uh, going to school. Um, and and so I decided to start a small little fuel dealership out of my, my pop's one-car garage. And uh, thankfully, it was before 9-11 because if folks would have seen a semi come into a small neighborhood unloading 10 barrels of fuel, they would have thought we were building a bomb or something. So, uh, But basically, we, we got a – a bad drum of fuel and um, you know, racing's racing. There's no warranty in racings, but we did ask if we could get the, the drum replaced because it was evident it created some problems. Uh, we were told no. And that's how I became, uh, got into the fuel uh, dealership business or fuel business in general. And uh, I thought I just, you know, my main goal was just, I wanted to be a voice for uh, grassroots racing at the time. I felt like uh, as a, uh, 19 year old that there are a lot of other fuel companies that, that had good products but I thought that there was a lot of advertisement and support given to the professional racer and the grassroots guys which in my opinion this is my my research uh, that's around 98 to 99 percent of the market uh, they had to pay for the pro guys prices and you know we respect what the pro guys do uh, they've gotten there uh, but I like to support the guys that, that spend their dollar, so to speak. So to make a long story short, we got into it to, to be somewhat the official fuel of the grassroots racers. And even today, uh, we go to business with a servant leadership type mentality where we want to do a great job at customer service. We're like any other company. We're not perfect. Uh, but we like to make our wrongs right, and uh, we also like to make the racer understand that they are not just a customer. They are part of our family. That's cool to hear you put it like that because that's always been my interpretation of, of your company is that it's very grassroots, as you say, sportsman-friendly, and that doesn't feel like it's changed a bit as – as the business has grown, I do want to, I want to circle back and, and just pull on a little bit of a thread. You said, uh, got, uh, got involved in, in racing with through your dad at 15 or so. And prior to that, or perhaps even during that time, we're, uh, very much in, uh, high school sports and sports star, like what specific uh, sport? Yeah. So I, I played high school football and I went from football. I tried basketball, but I fell out like in the first quarter. So then they got me into wrestling, high school wrestling. <laughs> so I couldn't make it basketball. I, was, I guess I just fouled out too easily. So, uh, so I went into grappling and then I went into baseball. And uh, uh, football-wise, while I did not have the – just to be honest with you, I played at a pretty – uh, premier program in Springfield, Tennessee. Uh, we actually won a state championship when I was there. Played with guys a whole lot better than myself. I did not have the talent uh, back in mid-90s to go to an Alabama or UT or anything like that, but I wanted to play SEC football, and I had an opportunity to go to Vanderbilt, get a great education. Uh, you know, probably been one of those guys that, you know, mid-90s, Vanderbilt was horrible, right? Uh, but I could have Got some game time my junior, senior year. Uh, 
would have gotten beat probably every weekend. Uh, but that was the mistake I made is uh, I, 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 you had to have a certain score on your ACT. And uh, I decided to go do a little bit of partying before my last chance of taking the ACT. And you had to have a little bit higher than normal score to go to Vanderbilt. And I, I did not make that score that was needed, not because I wasn't smart, just because when you go party in the night before your ACT, you, you're just not ready to go take your test. So this is a true story. I actually got into high school coaching, even running the business, because in Kentucky you can be what you call a paraprofessional. You don't have to teach to be a, uh, a coach. And I, and I got into coaching for that reason, because there's a lot of young men, a lot of young women, they, they have the papers right about them during the, uh, in their local town, they think they've arrived and they don't realize there's eight or nine, ten kids just as good, if not better than them. And uh, so the true story, I walk in, the, la the I think now you can take the ACT as many times as you want. Uh, then uh, you, I think you can only take it twice. Um, I go in, hungover, know that I've just screwed the pooch, so to speak, and I signed my name, and my last ACT score was a seven. You got seven points for signing your name. I walked out. I lost my right. yep. <laughs> True story. True story. Signed my name, got seven points. Uh, actually, it was ironic. My number was seven, you know, uh, and then uh, uh, there I was, lost my opportunity, and then I'm walking on to JUCO school trying to get a business administration degree, and that's when my old man kind of jerked the knot in me and said, uh, well, you can either do it this way or that way. And I said, well, racing sounds fun. Here we go. So uh, he got me involved when I was 15, 16. I got a little more serious in it. Uh, I was a young senior, so I would say 17 to 18 is when I really started getting serious into the bracket racing world uh, because that was my deal to either go racing and learn uh, – how to work on the cars and stuff of that nature or do some other things that was not going to be fun per the old man. <laughs> Fair enough. And I, I, it seems like it was, it couldn't have been too long after that, that our paths crossed for the first time, I think racing at music city, right? Yep, exactly. Yep. Yep. We, uh, you know, we didn't have, let everybody know too, kind of, you, you made to mention how our company hadn't changed as we'd grown. It goes back to my roots. Didn't, didn't have a lot growing up. Those that know me and my family well, uh, we got a great backstory there, but just didn't have a lot growing up. And, uh, you know, we, we run our business kind of the humble, hungry, smart, wise approach. And, uh, you know, we're just going to continue to do that. You know, I think when we met – uh, during the Music City days, uh, we were still operating out of that probably two-bay garage at that time. I think we increased from one bay to two bays. Uh, but now we have uh, four different plants, uh, two different blend facilities. We're about to build another blend facility um, out west. And we're 17 international countries. And we're going to stay the same, man. We're here for the racers. We have racers on our staff. I often say, you know, no disrespect, but there's, there's some other companies out there that uh, I call it Wall Street and Main Street. You know, to me, our industry is Main Street. It's a Main Street way of doing business. Blue collar folks help anybody and their brother. And I think there's been a lot of Wall Street mentality that's come to the racing world. And after a while, the Wall Street mentality and mainstream mentality just don't mix. And so, uh, you know, you got guys that are trying to sell racing products to folks that don't even know how to check a spark plug or adjust valves. And it's funny here, we'll take even some of our ladies here that get new jobs, our guys that get, we'll make sure they know how to work on a race motor. And so, <laughs> you know, when people talk to us, they're going to be talking to guys that know what they're talking about. I love the Wall Street versus Main Street uh, uh, comparison there. That, that's, a, that's a really good way to put that. What um, I, I do want to backtrack just a little bit now, too. Uh, you got you touched real briefly and kind of scratched the surface on what your life was, was kind of like growing up. And you said you, you didn't necessarily have a lot. Like, take us into that world and what what were your surroundings as a young man? Like, what do you remember and how's that kind of shaped? your life and, and obviously the way that you run your business? Well, that's a great question. Uh, my, my dad is, uh, I just think a lot of my, 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 my old man, uh, when he was back in the seventies, anybody 
some people out there in the racing world know about my dad. He, he had a rough, rough past, uh, served some time uh, in uh, penitentiary. He uh, found Christ in jail and uh, got out for self-defense. It came out later that uh, it was a self-defense deal. Uh, naturally, when you get out of prison, though, even if you get out for self-defense, uh, from you know what I remember being younger, it's still hard to get a job. So my dad became a carpet installer, and uh, before then, not a lot of people wanted to hire him. So, you know, it was slim pickings. I remember growing up, and, and you know, our meals were buying a big old thing, a hamburger meat man, and making hamburger helper, beef stroganoff, and we were doing good when you had a fried steak. When you had fried steak, I mean, even today, you know, uh, fried hot dogs, Green peas, and let me tell you this, instant potatoes. Just because of that upbringing, I love instant potatoes more than homemade potatoes. Don't hold that against me, but that's what I want for Thanksgiving, instant potatoes. Uh, it, it just, you know, taught us a lot on what it was like not to have a lot. So even now that our, our company has grown so much, I'm just determined it's part of our core values is that we're going to do every, while we're not perfect, one of our core values is to do things right 100% of the time, 100% effective, and 100% on course. So we got this 100% all the time. And people will say, maybe you can't be 100%. I'm like, yeah, I get that. But when we used to say, hey, we want to do it right 80% of the time, then we might be 75% there of the time, right? So if we're 100% trying to shoot for perfection, and at the end of the year, we have these KPIs, key performance indicators. If, if we're batting 95%, then guess what? We're close to that 100%. So it's a humble, it's a humble upbringing. It's, the, it's going through some of those humble uh, experiences that create our core values today. I mean, when you saw me at Music City Raceway, I mean, starting out, we didn't have the new dragsters. I couldn't afford to undercover cars. You don't know how many times I went to Edmund Richardson looking at a new car, but we just didn't have the money to buy it. So, you know, when I first started driving, I was driving uh, my dad's dragster that was a old front engine dragster converted into a rear engine dragster uh, that he bought from Tom Pope for like $2,500, man. We had the big wing and the wide front wheels. And it, it was kind of fun, though, because when we would stroke and put them big boys on the trailer that had them big money bracket cars, it didn't make me feel kind of good. Um, the, the first million-dollar race, it was funny. I think a Toby hit – there's another Toby. Hitchcock, maybe, drove a door car. But anyways, there was a Toby that won the first million-dollar race. Barnes, final, yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, so – before, if somebody said a Toby's going to win the first million dollar race, I thought, man, that'd be me. I'm the only Toby I know that races. But man, I think I got down to 16 cars, um, and my dad had the old steering wheel on this dragster from when he had it back in the 70s. And I am pulling onto the, and I mean, you know how you, you have those nights, right, Luke, where you're just, man, you're nailing the tree, your car's there, it's like, Everybody's going red against me or break. It's my night, baby. So I thought it was my day. I pull out there to do a burnout, and that steering wheel breaks in my hand, and the the right side of the steering wheel breaks, and I, the trans brake button is dangling. So, oh, have, oh yeah, man. So my dad pulls out these vice grips, man, puts them on the steering wheel. I'm getting ready to burn out. And he says, son, just hold the trans brake in your hand, do the best job you can do. So, you know, man, I've been like, back then it was a 500s tree. I think it's triple zero now. I haven't bracket raced in a while. But, man, I, I remember the three rounds or whatever. I was 5 this, 5 that. And I hold that trans brake in my hand. I do my very best, man. And I'm like 540-something on the tree, right? And I get my butt busted. But, uh, yeah, that, that goes back to having, you know, we were the race team that were, we would get other people's used parts and try to make them work, get people's used rocker arms or push rods or whatever and try to make it work. And uh, you can't only get so far with used equipment before it breaks on you, but it, it got to teach us how to uh, do more with less 
And that's how we built this company is doing more with less. And it's basically simply by, you know, treating every racer with the utmost respect. Yeah, that's good stuff. I, man, I was going to try to, to, to take this conversation in a direction to where you've, you've got so much, such an interesting perspective from so many different angles. Like I was, I was going to try to come at this from uh, the, the, the perception or the, the perspective that you have from your ethnic background. And we can get into that if you would like, but whether on, on your end, whether it is, I just, I feel like you have to have such a different outlook on life in general than say someone like myself, just through those experiences, whether it's looking, uh, you know, different than most of the people in racing or, or in our industry, so to speak, whether it's, going through that experience of feeling at least financially, you know, again, maybe just within the, the realm of drag racing competition, feeling like you're at the low end of the totem pole. And then two, you bring into it, which I didn't really even realize coming into the conversation, the, the stigma kind of around you, around your family, given your father's history and people just have to look at you a little bit differently. I'm curious whether it's in life or, specific to you know within motorsports within racing have you ever taken a second to think like wow not so much today given where you're at and your status but as you're coming up like do you feel as though you were looked upon differently than those around you or did you ever feel that in person well that's a good question and i think my answer is going to touch on the uh, me being a Native American, I'm a registered Choctaw um, and, and very proud of the Choctaw Nation and what we represent. You know, that there are some, and no disrespect to other tribes, that I'll give you a good example. They give casino money to some of their folks and they still have issues, right? And uh, just like with most, uh, if you look at minority statistics, there's missing fathers there and uh, there can be alcoholism on some of the reservations and something I'm very proud of the Choctaw nation is they really believe in a hand up, not a handout. So, you know, you can get loans, but you got to pay them back or uh, they'll help you with trying to better your life, but you got to prove yourself. You got to go out there and, and get after it. And I've often said that I'm one that <clears throat> I respect my history and appreciate my history, but I wasn't born then. So I'm not going to let them be a crutch to uh, keep me in what I call a victim club mentality. You know, I could go on another soap. I'm a big football guy, and I'm just so disappointed about this Washington Redskins thing. And that's my team, and I'm a Native American, and I wish they would leave it alone. I think it's awesome. I mean, what are we going to do, change the Cowboys for every – white dude that wants to ride a horse with a cowboy hat and shoot a gun. No, man. I mean, get that name back, right? I mean, keep with the Washington Redskins, Atlanta Braves, Cleveland. Doesn't offend me at all. So, I mean, heck, name of my company is called Renegade Performance Fuels and Lubricants, right? Um, but I believe just the core value of just knowing that starting out – I'll be honest with you, I had, we don't bash the competition here, so I'm not going to list any names, okay? But I had one competitor that's pretty well known out there that when we first started said, they're going to put me out of business. Told me point blank, uh, you won't last a year. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, I'm okay with that. I'm used to being the David, so to speak, and having to pull the rocks out of your jock strap and hit that giant right between the eyes. So there's nothing more better I like than when somebody says, you're not going to make it. That motivates me even more. So today, if you really want to know the core of Renegade, it's not to be the biggest. I could care less about being the biggest person in the race fuel industry. It's not being the flashiest. I could care less about being the flashiest in the racing fuel industry. You might not see our name all over every billboard or magazine or official fuel, this official fuel or that, but if you really talk to folks, 
they will tell you there's a lot of people using our product today. I would rather instead of be the biggest or the flashiest, I want to be the best at what we do. I, I could care less about being the biggest race fuel or lubricant company in the in, in racing or the flashiest racing fuel or lubricant company in racing. I would rather be known as being the best, being the best at new school formulas. There's a lot of formulas out there that were developed in the 60s, the 70s. Race motors are not the same as the 60s and 70s. Induction systems are not the same as the 60s and 70s. Head configurations are not the same. Clearances are not the same. I would rather be known as a company that's got new school formulas that really work, that really provide consistency. I would rather be the best at customer service. I would rather be the best at, you know, our employees when somebody's on the other end talking to our team staff that they know they're a part of us. So, yeah, that's our goal. We could care less about being the biggest, being the flashiest. We just want to be the best. When I talk to anyone that has um, reached the heights that you have and the, the success that you have in business specifically, it's obvious that you've worked hard to get to where you are. But given the story that you have told just in the last 20 minutes, I think it's clear, I hope it's clear to our listeners that, yes, you've worked hard to get there, but you didn't necessarily have equal opportunities coming into this. Like you, I, I know a lot of it is right place, right time, things like that, but I think it's fair to say that you had to, to find your way, that you maybe had to, to work harder than you know, a lot of other people that, that share your current position. So kudos for that. I'll take this in a, in a little bit different direction, Toby, just because I think it's super relevant to the time that we're in right now. Um, you're in the race fuels industry, you know, by and large, I know that you guys have your hands in a few different things, but as the pandemic hit, I would have to assume that, you're not just renegade race fuels like that industry as a whole was essentially stopped for the better part of what two three maybe four months there what was that like and how have you weathered it that's a good question luke and it's it's been hard for everybody uh, you know and it's one of those situations with covid it's kind of dang if you do and dang if you don't you really don't know we don't know what the perfect answers are I'll tell you this, there was a lot of pressure to make a lot of cuts. And, and I've probably n never seen as much of a loss in revenue and profit. I I've, I've, I've joked with some close friends that I don't think I've ever lost so much money in March, March and April. <laughs> you know, March and April for us in our world and a lot of other racial companies. March, April is huge, right? People are be just like turning off the faucet. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing we did is we did a good job planning for, I call it emergency planning. And also try to remember back in the time when, you know, we almost sold or got a close renegade racing field down. A lot of people don't realize that. I remember one year, Man, I, I worked at Music City Raceway. I had my first daughter on the way. And the time we sold the fuel and paid the entry fee, paid the little fee to sell there, I think I had $20 left in my pocket. Or no, it was $25 left in my pocket. And I had Advanced Auto Parts offer me an assistant manager's job. And I had family, so many people telling me to go do that. And I just heard this inside voice saying, man, if you just stick with it, you stick with it, man. This thing's going to work out. Don't quit. And and I did, and, I, and I'm glad I did. But I remember what it was like not to have a job and the potential not to have any income coming in and to have a, a child on the way. And so we took that emergency plan and just made a fast determination uh, with our senior management group and our, our ownership. Uh, me and my fa my family, which consists of my dad and my, my wife. I said, even if it comes out of my back pocket, we're not going to lay anybody off. And I'm, I'm, if I'm more pleased about anything that we've ever done 
in our existence is that I can sit here and say today, we did not lay one person off through this COVID experience. We let people work from home. We got people arranged that had kids uh, because, you know, they couldn't afford daycare because they were used to going to schools. Uh, we did a uh, team one uh, sharing program where we could help any of our employees that, that had a need. And, and let me tell you how this has gone around. And on the renegade side, let me say this for the record, we did apply for the small business loan incentive. And for some reason we got into, um, end of April and I met with a friend that owns a restaurant business and, and man, they're decimated. I mean, decimated and it was a small business he's like Toby if I was doing 15 $1,600 a day he said I'm lucky to do $400 and I just I, I sat and I talked to my wife I said you know what I said I think there's other people that we, we qualified we got approved we got accepted all that kind of good jazz um, I just said I, I just feel convicted to give it back and you know we have on record with our banker we gave it back and, and, and let me tell you what's happened since then. Uh, man, you talk about the good Lord works in mysterious ways and makes me wonder what it would be like if the season was normal. Luke, we've had so many people switching to our brand and new customers that I can't even explain where they came from that we have, we have had such a successful May and such a successful June, and now it's looking like we've had our best July ever in the midst of this, that last year, I believe, was our best year ever, and we're ahead of last year, Luke, with COVID. And we, are, we just hired two new operational folks, and we're fixing to hire another uh, division. I, can't, I wish I could announce his name, but he'll – a lot of the racing community knows this guy. I'm so pumped up about having this guy. He joins us Monday. He's going to head up our racing fuel lubricants and engine builder program. And he's just a phenomenal guy that has a lot of respect in our industry. So we A, we didn't have to lay anybody off. B, I can't explain it. I'm not here to explain it. But the racing community has, has really just given us a try, man. And, uh, we've been able to give three new folks, actually four new folks, a new career opportunity. And so uh, we're even looking at now how we can give back to the racing community even more and, and help people. You know, if there's other racing businesses out there, we do do some things quite different. If people want to know how we've been able to go toe to toe with some of the other racing field giants. There is a strategy there not going to give it all out here right but there is a strategy there and we do a lot of things 180 degrees difference but but it but it's paid off and that's probably the thing I'm the most proud of is not the products we make but that we were able to keep families sustained and going through this and, and now we're able to to add great careers to 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 new folks and that to me that is a that is an unbelievable story but believable that's powerful, man. And you say it with such conviction and passion uh, and, and honor. Like I'm sitting here on the other end of the line, like just a, a, a racer that uses your products. I'm ready to run through a wall for you. Much less, like I can't imagine what that would feel like if you were signing my paychecks. That I would assume you've seen tremendous reciprocation from uh, – your workers and your team, as I should put it, as, as a result of that? Yeah, we have. Uh, one of the things we, we did here is we, we went, uh, we call it a servant leadership um, work chart. So most work charts, you know, the founder, CFO, or whoever's at the top and you work, we, we flip it. So like I'm at the very bottom and the guys at the top are hourly guys or guys that are in the trenches and uh, when, when you treat folks, here's a fact, when you go to work, and, and I'm sure you got a lot of customers that probably run businesses or they're in the racing business whatsoever. 
when we go to work, we're going to spend more time at work than we will with our own family. That's just a fact of life. And, and we want that to be as energetic as possible, as fun as possible. And when you take the guys that are out there in the trenches and you make them your number one guys, uh, I mean, folks want to run through a wall for you, like you said. And, and going through this COVID thing, I mean, we got, we got guys all in. And when I say this, I'm not, I'm not endorsing fighting whatsoever. come from a rough background, so my dad gave me this analogy years ago. He said, son, there's going to be times when you go to the playground, and he used to tell me this as a kid, and he says, you're going to have uh, four friends with you. And for some unknown reason, you're going to go to the playground, and there's eight or nine others there, and, and there's going to be a fight. And you're going to have three of those four friends that told, told you what was good with you, agreed with you all the time, and always told you, you know, your ideas were always right. But they're going to see that it's, uh, that it's five against nine, and they're going to be gone. And I'm sure we've all had friends like that, right? They said you're always going to have that one friend that's got enough gall, backbone, and tenacity to say, Toby, we might get our tails whipped today, but I'm willing to get a black eye, bloody nose, and a messed up mouth just to let them know we were here. And so we, I, I, go, to, I, I go with that mentality a lot with our employees. Our employees know that that's my heart and, and, and my vision and that we're in this to go back to back. And uh, when, when you don't have a lot of division and you are unified, and, and teammates. Matter of fact, I hate even using the word employees. We use team members here, okay? But when your team members know that they are not a number, but they are a person and you care as much for their family and their well-being as your own, a lot of great things happen. A lot of great things will happen. What, over the course of these last five to six months, what have you learned about yourself in leading through such uncertain times? Well, I tell you this, I've learned one of my f most favorite books for leadership. Um, you want to write this down or if you folks want, it's called leading with a limp. And a lot of times, uh, basically to summarize it, it talks about a lot of times folks get this mentality of leading like you're, leading this super huge organization or all these people. Well, no, leading can be, I often say if you can, if a person can learn to lead themselves well, they've done well in life. And leading can be with your family. It can be with your, your wife. It can be with a two-person business. I'm here, to, I love talking to people that are starting out in business uh, because we are a story that almost didn't make it. And, started with nothing and I didn't have lots of cash. I had to go get loans. I had to do 30 days, same as cash stuff, just to keep the bills flowing. So I love to talk to folks that have a dream and a knack and a, and a conviction to go do something out there in the business world. Uh, but probably what I've learned about myself, Luke, is just being vulnerable, being okay with vulnerability and being okay with weak weaknesses. And that book, Leading with a Limp, talks about there's a lot of leaders that Want to, they want to feel tough. They don't like to be vulnerable. And I agree, you got to be careful who you're vulnerable with. But nine times out of ten, most people like to help somebody that needs help. And when you can raise your hand and say, hey, here are my weak points, they can bring their strengths in to help you with your weak points. And when you think you got it figured out and you're the cat's meow to all things business, um, it don't take long before there's a fall there. So that, that's what I've learned about myself during these five or six months is just to be vulnerable and okay with folks knowing that, you know, I've got strengths, but I've got weaknesses too. Watching from afar, Toby, it's, um, it's obvious that you've been tremendously successful. Just listening to you for the last 30 minutes, uh, makes me realize, or, or maybe, um, just cements the idea that you are the type of manager I think we would all like to work for. I'm curious, and, and you may have just answered a little bit of it. Like, I feel like your charisma when you speak like that, to, to some extent, that's got to be natural. I don't, I don't know that, 
that that can be learned to the, to the extent that you've seemingly mastered it. But I'm curious from a, a leadership management style, like have you accumulated this, and, and I'd, I'd not trying to, to blow smoke, I think anyone listening would agree, this wealth of knowledge strictly through experience? Is it education? Is it a mixture of the two? Do you read voraciously? Like where does the, the knowledge part of this come from for you? You know, the, the first thing I'm going to say, and I'm not a, it's kind of like my comment with the Washington Redskins, right? I'm not an overly religious person, but I am proud of my relationship with, with Christ, and I'm not ashamed of that at all. And uh, I think there's a difference between religion and a relationship. So I think I would have to say the conviction standpoint uh, just puts me where I need to be. Uh, secondly, Luke, learning from mistakes. You know, uh, the company we have today or the leadership attributes that I bring to the table today is not because I've always done it right. It's because I made some mistakes along the way. Just talking about vulnerability, I'm okay with those mistakes. And I often believe that when we go through mistakes, it's not for ourselves, but it's for, I call it the, the distribution outlet effect. You know, if I run into you and you're fixing to start something and I see that you're about to make a right turn, and I, I made that mistake a few years ago, I believe I need to help you eliminate all that headache, right? So you can try to make the right turn or the right decision right away. So, um, you know, that's, that's probably been the second element is just learning from mistakes. And I have made some mistakes. Uh, the third element is just realizing, okay, in our world, in the racing fuel world or the racing world in general, a lot of times we try to make ourselves, it's about us, you know, hey, use my product. We can do this. We can make more power. It's all. How about not being a here am I company, but being a who are you company? In other words, instead of me coming to you, Luke, and saying, I, Renegade can do this and Renegade can do that. And, you know, it's, it's us, us, I, I, I. How about Luke? Who are you? What kind of issues do you have with your race team? How can we help solve and slay your villains that you have going on? It's a totally different 180 mindset. Uh, but that's, those are the key three things, I think, that contribute to um, our way of doing business and, our leadership, and, and my leadership style is are those things. Uh, my, my conviction standpoint, realizing uh, that I've made some mistakes and learning from those mistakes. And, and Luke being a who are you person and not a here am I person. It comes through in, in everything that you do, uh, whether you, you're talking about running your company in, in, a, in a servant leadership style, like it's never putting yourself, it's never putting Renegade first or, or ahead of anyone. And, and it, it absolutely, it resonates. And I think another example of that, yet another example, and I wanted to kind of tee you up um, to, to talk about this a little bit before we close out. In addition to all that you do internally, uh, at least my impression is that Renegade Racing Fuels is as actively involved in the surrounding community as, as any company within the automotive aftermarket, or at least our segment of it. Can you talk just a little bit about what you do there locally? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So we uh, we we support. I, I sit on uh, the Make a Wish board. I've uh, been sitting on the Make a Wish board for a couple of years now. And so, if you get a drum of our fuel or a pail of our fuel, you'll notice the Make a Wish logo. It's now on all of our products. And so, what we do, Luke, is you know we set an appropriation up that every time we sell a product, we're giving to Make a Wish. And it looks like this year, and I'm no, it, there's no looking like it. We keep trending. We're going to be giving Make a Wish. We're going to be granting more wishes this year. Well, guess who else is decimated because of COVID? It's the nonprofits. They can't have fundraisers. They can't have gatherings. And so we're excited that this year we're going to be able to give uh, increase financial contributions to Make a Wish because of the great customers that's out there listening to this and giving us an opportunity to, to fuel their ride. Uh, so yeah, we're real big into helping kids. My wife used to work at the children's cancer center in Tampa. Um, 
if you do your research there, uh, there's a lot of monies that go out to cancer research and all that's good, but there's not as much that's given towards childhood cancer, you know? And so we, we want to bring our goal here at Renegade is anything we help, we're helping out with kids. So anything that has to do with a young person, you know, it's one thing to, and it's bad to be older in age and have to fight through something like that. Um, but Luke, when you, I think we went to Raleigh's once in Indianapolis, you know, there's a lot of kids that as I was walking through the halls, they were getting cancer treatments, didn't have a dad in their life. I remember young, one young lady, mom's doing her best to work night shift, single parent uh, household. And the young lady, the young girl's probably six, seven years old and they're getting a chemo treatment. No parent there just there with the doctors. So, you know, I always encourage people think about the young people that haven't even, hasn't even got to, uh, they have not even had to have a full life yet and already having to battle that kind of stuff. So I'm determined the more we grow, the more we're going to give, the more we're going to help, you know, and, and that's just going to be a standard here. And, and that program's called Renegade Reach. It's not just limited to make a wish. So Luke, like if we'll go do a seminar, if we go do a seminar in Kansas, we'll partner with that distributor or that dealer and say, pick out a nonprofit. They got to meet our 70, 30 rule where 70% or more of the money's going to, to the, 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 the outreach. Uh, Cause there are some nonprofits you do your research. They sound good, but only 30% of the dollars going towards helping and, and we're not into that. So it's gotta be, 70 30 or greater but we'll go into that distributor's backyard and uh we'll help that help that nonprofit. so we're about helping nonprofits that have a good cause that the give ratio is good and doing it in in the backyard of the communities in which use our products toby listen man i had really high expectations for this conversation and you've blown them out of the water this has been Fantastic. Um, thank you so much for, for sharing your time here on the Sports and Drag Racing Podcast. Quickly, before you go, for any of our listeners wanting to learn more about you, more about Renegade Racing Fuels and Lubricants, what is, what is the best place to direct that attention? Hey, go to our website. Uh, we also do an open invite. You know, a lot of times in the business, people are making products, but they're not really not making it. They're putting their name on it. So we often give an invite. Anybody ever wants to come tour our facilities, uh, give us some notice. They're more than welcome to come. They'll get a, get a hat and a T-shirt. Um, we'll treat them to a nice Kentucky barbecue sandwich. And if it's after hours, maybe a nice, nice glass of bourbon. You know, we're, we're known for our bourbon. So we tell people all the time we're, we're known for world-class bourbon, racehorses, and racing fuel. So <laughs> if they ever want to come visit us, they're more than welcome to come by and see us. And that way we can actually show them that, we are the manufacturers and uh, we can take them on a tour of how we blend our racing fuels and racing oils. Great stuff, Toby. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Luke. Good being with you. Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. Um, that's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or, or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at BTE Racing. Edgewater Sports Park is under new management. Dick Winley owned Edgewater for 40-plus years. His sons have decided to save the track from becoming a gravel pit after Dick's passing, and they have invested big bucks into facility upgrades. There's a brand-new AccuTime timing system in 2020. True Start is in effect. They have updated restrooms this year. They've got new burnout boxes. 
new concrete from the 660 to the quarter mile in the shutdown area. Concession stand has been overhauled and offers a broader menu. Overall facility facelift, speakers fixed, finish line scoreboards replaced, buildings painted, return roads been paved, staging lane lines, etc. All that painting has been done here in 2020. So Edgewater is back. Check out all of the above improvements August the 21st through August the 23rd. And that's Saturday and Sunday. We'll be paying $12,500 to the winner. Huge purse on their welcome back. Now, door cars, dragsters, and no box will be run separate as long as possible. So find your way to Edgewater Sports Park August 21st through August 23rd and go enjoy the Dick Winley Memorial at the new and improved Edgewater Sports Park. All right. Many thanks to Toby Baptiste. I told you in the opening um, that that was worth your time and your listening. Um, man, what a what a charismatic, incredible man. I, I, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Now, I did say at the beginning of the show we would have two guests today. The second, Ashley Thompson. Uh, for those of you not familiar, Ashley is a young racer from the state of Washington. She has been a part of our team here at thisisbracketracing.com for over a year now. And Ashley originally came to me with this idea. Uh, it's been several months ago. Um, and, and she has put in the work, uh, her, her ambition and uh, her excitement around local bracket racing in general, and then specifically how she has uh, funneled that into this program is contagious. I think that will come across in this, um, this discussion, but Ashley has spearheaded this, this, uh, this is bracketracing.com driver series that uh, we are rolling out super pumped to roll out here, uh, basically immediately. Uh, it's going to be contested at five tracks, uh, across the country in this trial version here in 2020. And it's basically allows racers to compete for points on a national level without ever leaving the confines of their home track. The overall champion, again, from the five racetracks combined in both box and dome box, can receive $2,500 each, courtesy of thisisbracketracing.com. There is a $50 sign-up fee, and if we were to, um, to exceed the $2,500 per class in revenue, then we will up the purse. Uh, it's going to be 100% payback, but guaranteed minimum $2,500 to win. Um, and it, again, this is kind of on the, on the trial end. Uh, if this goes as well as I expect it to go, as Ashley expects it to go, uh, we're going to expand this in 2021 and create more opportunities for more racers all across the country. I couldn't be more excited about this program. I couldn't be more proud of Ashley for rolling it out and uh, I guess at this point, I'm going to shut up and, uh, and go right into that conversation as we outline uh, the This Is Bracket Racing driver series with Ashley Thompson. All right, joining me now is one of our team members at thisisbracketracing.com. This is Ashley Thompson, and Ashley is going to tell us about this exciting new series that we're rolling out on a, on a very much a trial basis here at the close of 2020. We're calling it the thisisbracketracing.com driver series. Ashley, tell us a little bit about it. All right, so the driver series uh, kind of shines a light on the sportsman uh, bracket racers who run their uh, local tracks weekly points race deals. And uh, it's a way for them to race at a on a national platform, much like the Luke Soil Drag Racing Series, but without the large time and money commitment um, that you would need for that. So basically, you can do this without ever leaving their home track, correct? Exactly. Yep, exactly. Uh, so you race at your local track and you get to earn points and compete against people uh, across the country. So, you know, people racing at their local track in Washington can compete against people racing at their local track in Ohio. Um, and it's a way for, you know, increase the competition and um, yeah. Yeah, and incentivize it across the board. Now, 
if you're listening, get excited because we're excited. <laughs> this, right? so this is an opportunity to really augment uh, local bracket competition. But at the same point, uh, curb your enthusiasm just a little bit. As we said, this is a trial program for 2020. We're doing this with, uh, it sounds like we're going to wind up with five racetracks involved in this brief, uh, you know, beta program basically over the course of the next three or four months. Uh, can we disclose the tracks? Uh, I think, yeah. We, so we have, so far we have four tracks. Um, they are National Trail, Mid-Michigan uh, Motorplex, Beach Bend Raceway and Bremerton Raceway in Washington. And likely a fifth, fifth track that we don't quite have confirmation on, can't disclose at this time, right? So stay tuned to the details. Yep. Yes. All right. So racers competing or near those four to five facilities, um, give me the pitch. Why do they need to attend the handful of races at those facilities to compete for driver series points? Right. So there's two classes, a top bulb and a bottom bulb. It's a $50 entry to us. This is recordracing.com. And you are racing for $2,500. And that's guaranteed. Now, if we get more than 50 uh, participants in each uh, category, we're going to pay 100% back that uh, revenue. Absolutely. So guaranteed $2,500 to the national champion in each class. And we, if you followed along with what Ashley said, this is not something that we're trying to make any money on at this point in the season. Uh, it's probably a money loser. It's a promotional thing for us and it's an opportunity to give back to the local bracket racing community. But if this takes off, if this grows legs immediately and say we get a hundred entrants at $50 a piece in a given class, well then there's five grand in the pot. We'll pay out. $5,000 to the overall champion. So 2,500 guaranteed the purse could escalate for that simple $50 investment. How to raise points. Uh, so points are going to be based off of car count. Uh, so the more car count in, in that class, the more points you can gain as you go around. So tell your friends, come to the track <laughs> and tell them to sign up too. Cause then that uh, makes the pot bigger for you to win. Absolutely. And each of the participating tracks has uh, put four events on the schedule that will count toward points, correct? Correct. All right. And as an added bonus, we talked about the, uh, the purse that's $2,500 to win guaranteed could escalate in each of the two classes, both box and no box. Plus, we've got a bonus for our members of This Is Bracket Racing Elite, correct? Yep. All right. That's $1,000 bonus to any national champion that is a current this is Bracket Racing Elite members. So our elite members listening, if you're in the area, again, it's uh, the tracks that we have confirmed at this point, Beach Bend Raceway Park, Bowling Green, Kentucky, Bid Michigan Motorplex in Stanton, Michigan, National Trail Raceway, Columbus, Ohio, and Bremerton uh, in Bremerton, Washington. So with one track soon to be named, uh, by the time that you listen to this, we'll probably see the release. Ashley, anyone that listening to this that is interested, where can they learn more? How can they sign up? Yeah, so if you want to learn more, you can go to thisisbracketracing.com slash driver series. Um, there will be the schedule there, uh, the points page, which I will update after every race. And um, also that's where you can sign up too. Awesome. I am super excited to roll this out, to announce it in general, and to keep up with it over the course of the next three to four months. Uh, if you are so inclined, Ashley, I'd love to have you back on the podcast, maybe monthly, to uh, kind of update us on the point standings, how things are trending, uh, who's got a chance at, at taking home the big prizes. So follow along. Obviously, uh, if those of you listening, uh, if you are in the vicinity of one of the participating racetracks, here in 2020. I can't urge you strongly enough to participate, to tell your friends, get everyone involved. I think that this can be a really, really special um, series that obviously we're going to shed a lot of light on and try to, uh, to really bring some recognition and notoriety to. And for the rest of you, um, if this is something that intrigues you, and I, and I think as we go along, uh, this is something that, that will be beneficial and intriguing to everyone. If you'd like your home track to participate in the series, our goal here is to make sure that we've kind of got our ducks in a row here in 2020, Ashley, and expect this to a truly 
nationwide series in 2021. So if you're disappointed in hearing this and be like, oh, you know, my, my home track is not participating, um, let them know. Like there's really no no cost to the racetracks on this. There's there's really no reason for racetracks not to be involved. We can expand this and grow this into, you know, a, something really special in 2021 and beyond. That's Ashley's vision. This was her idea coming in. That's why she's on here as the face of this. And uh, we would love to get uh, more involvement and grow this as we go. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I just, I want to shed a light on those local grassroots racers. Um, maybe hear some names that we haven't heard before. Absolutely. That's going to be the funnest part about this, because as we've said so many times before, actually, there are so many great racers across the country, across the continent that don't roll off the tip of the tongue because they're not out there winning 50 and 100 granders every other week. But there is a lot of talent everywhere. And this is the type of series that is going to allow us to really put a spotlight on some of those racers. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Ashley, thank you for, uh, for jumping on. Thank you for uh, putting this program together and, and sharing your enthusiasm for grassroots bracket racing on thisisbracketracing.com here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. We look forward to having you back on real soon. Yeah, thank you. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.